Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. In this episode, we're going to be talking about living with uncertainty. If you're interested in furthering this conversation, please email me at contact at drbconnections.com. Or if you want to book a training or learn more about me, go to my website at www.drbconnections.com. This episode was recorded on May 19th, 2020, during a Facebook Live series. Without further ado, let's kick it over to the episode. Let's get started. Sitting with uncertainty. So the problem with sitting with uncertainty is that we have to sort of sit with some uncertainty right now. And at the beginning, it seems like things, like at the beginning of all of this, as as COVID-19 just sort of became a word, oh, it's happening in China, it's happening somewhere else in the world, it's not really affecting me at this at this moment. It was distanced worry. Well, it's come to our front door. And so now we live day to day with this constant underpinning of what does this mean to us? I myself assumed that it would resolve fairly quickly and it wouldn't really impact everybody's lives. And so it seemed like it resolved pretty quickly and wouldn't require us to commit to change. Then it got real. And we started this thing called sheltering in place. Like in my lifetime, I've never had to shelter in place for anything and certainly not for an extended period of time. We, you know, we've shifted our lives. We go to work on Zoom meetings. The kids are at home from school. Uh, There's no travel. All of our travel has been canceled. I was supposed to be in Boston last month and uh, several different you know, travel plans have been shifted for for my work. We can't go to restaurants. We can't go to the movies. So we have this, there's, you know, no contact with extended family necessarily or friends. So it's, things are still pretty wonky in our world. So nothing about this uncertainty is easy, especially when everyone around you is going through it at the same time. So typically, if I'm going through something that's uncertain and discombobulating for me, then I can have, I have a support circle that I can turn to. But in this case, all, everybody's going through the same uncertainty. So that limits our support circle as well. So our normal support systems are also struggling with figuring out what to do and how to do it and how to move forward. This alone is hard enough, but then add the deep political divides to the entire situation, and then it becomes even more unsettling. Think about all the things that we're seeing on TV or protests in our communities where 
you know, people have really different deep feelings about sheltering in place versus, you know, health versus economy. And so I'm not going to go into that because that's, that's not the point of this. But the point is that we all experience uncertainty independently in our lives, which is hard enough. So I'm going to share a little personal part of that with you from my life. And, and I've been trying to make sense out of all of this from the beginning, but I'm also trained in a psychoanalytic framework in my clinical program, in my clinical degree. So I'm not a psychoanalyst by, by it, complete theory. I consider myself to be a, much more of a humanist, but, um, but I was trained because parent infant mental health is really deep work. And so I was trained in a psychoanalytic facility. So I have a fairly deep understanding of the concept of getting comfortable feeling uncomfortable. And what does that mean? It's, it's, it's helpful to sit in our uncomfortableness in order to have self, self growth, understanding and development. So to be able to sit with conflicting feelings like Sometimes people have the conflicting feeling like, I love my father, and at the same time, my father was terribly abusive physically towards me. Okay, so those are conflicting feelings, and how do we sit with those those feelings? Or, I'm ready to fight this, you know, fight, and at the same time, I'm really scared to face this fight. So there's that fear and then there's that energy to go fight a fight. So these are conflicting feelings that are normal that people live with being comfortable or getting comfortable being uncomfortable with conflicting feelings. So in my personal my personal experience around that is was coming out, you know, I came out later in life. Coming out, just let me tell you for anybody out there whoever has come out, it's not easy for anybody. Under the very best of circumstances, coming out is an incredibly difficult and painful process. Completely worth it. However, it's not easy for anyone. We talk about this a lot in our house um, around. But I'll talk about that more, my personal story around coming out and how I did that later on at some other point. But all I could think about as I was coming out, and this is in my late 30s, so how could I just die without hurting anybody, without hurting my kids, without hurting my family, without hurting anybody, except just like sort of disappear? That was my fantasy, that I could just be done. But here's the conflicting part. At the same time as I recognized that, you know, I was gay and that I, I, that I needed and I wanted to come out and live my life openly, then I also felt more alive and aware of who I am than I ever had before. And so it was really weird. I can't explain it if you haven't gone through it, but thank you, Brene Brown, for allowing me to be vulnerable enough to share that part of my experience because it really, it really was a difficult time in my life. And I felt weak and hopeless and just worthless. And at the same time, I felt clear and strong and completely confident in who I was all at the same time. 
So that's a that's an experience of feeling really uncertain. So what does this mean on a neurobiologic level? There's no question. Remember the amygdala? It's the alarm center and it's like, woo, woo, something's going on. So for me, when I realized, oh my gosh, I think you're gay. Like, I think I'm a lesbian. Then I was like, boom, the alarm center went off and I had to go down the path to explore that. Different story, different story. So, but when the amygdala is activated, it starts this either high or humming sound in our brain. It's like this resonating hum. Something's awry. Something is wrong. You need to make sense of what's happening because you may or may not be in danger. So let's go back to COVID-19 now. We can't see it ourselves. Like we can't just go and go, oh yeah, there's there's some COVID-19 right there. We can't see it in others. Oh, that person's infected. That person's not. We have no idea who's infected and who's not. Many people don't even know anybody who is infected. I know a couple of people, like I know one person personally, but I know, you know, people like I hear stories peripherally, but I haven't had anybody die in my presence yet from COVID-19. So that makes me, you know, have conflicting ideas about the level of danger. So it seems really like a very unreal sense of danger. On the other hand, we've never had to shelter in place before. Like the government has never said, don't leave your house. And then if you do wear a mask, you can't come in my store unless you're wearing a mask or my restaurant, whatever. You can't, this has never happened before in my lifetime. So Note to self, something is awry, brain alarm center humming with, holy cow, like this is, this is different than I'm, I'm used to, I've ever experienced before, so it's unknown. Now, let me put this into real like numbers perspective for you because last night we were talking and, um, and Lisa, my wife, came across this number that just blew my mind. And so what she said was, if we were to take the number of people who have died from COVID-19 worldwide, oh, I'm sorry, not even worldwide, so it's even worse. So the number of people who have died from COVID-19 in the United States of America, just in the USA, 91,000 people, the same if... A 747 Boeing airplane were full and crashed, which it has in our lifetime. And we've been like, oh my God, like just stunned out of our minds at that number and how terrible it is when a whole flight of people crash and die. COVID-19 has killed 650 full airplanes in the past 90 days, seven full 747 airplanes every single day for the past 90 days. So let that sink in for a minute because that is horrifying. Can you imagine if today seven 747 airplanes full of passengers were going to crash into the United States and all the people were going to die today? we would be losing our friggin' minds. Like just knowing that, 
sets my alarm center off a little bit. That's amazing and terrifying. So when you put it in the context of real numbers and real people, it gets scary fast. So we're in total conflict with ourselves and everyone around us. We're in conflict or, you know, some people we align with and some people we conflict with, family members, friends, work, school, politics. There's all this, you know, friction going on about who's got information and who doesn't have information. This massive overload of conflicting info keeps our bodies and minds operating at this low hum, and sometimes it goes to a high hum, but it's a constant fear in our amygdala that says something is wrong, something is awry. Now, let me just tell you, on a physical level, that that energy is exhausting. So if you've been feeling more tired lately, super normal. We, we aren't meant to operate in the alarm center on a low hum all the time. It's also what happens with people who have early trauma. So adverse childhood experiences and unresolved trauma operate constantly on a low hum, and that's ter- that's exhausting. So, um, but we're doing this now in relation to COVID-19. And I don't have all the answers to this, but what I can offer is an idea that our brain, we can and we do sift through massive amounts of conflicting and hard information all the time. We make decisions all the time in the presence of conflicting information, and we're capable of doing that. So I don't want you to get locked into, oh my gosh, there's conflicting information and I can't do anything about it. I'm just a victim to this experience. Because you're not. The brain is a massive, massive organism, or organ, I should say. Um, But we are at a turning point right now because we're making headway and we're having discussions At the same time, we have this information about all of these people who are dying and are really in a lot of ways, some of the numbers are going down, but for the most part, where I live, there has been no downturn in cases yet. So, but we're talking about reopening schools. How are we going to do that? Reopening restaurants, reopening movie theaters, workers are expected to come back to work. I'm not a fan of this rule. Like if you're worried about going back to work in an environment where it's may or may not be safe and but you're forced to go back to work because you're considered an essential worker i feel like there should be safety nets for people like that and i trust that most people enjoy their work to some degree and like that part of their lives so it's not like everybody's just going to sit home and say eh screw it i'm not going back to work ever cuz i don't think that that's true like people enjoy participating in our world. So, but what about those planes going down? People are thinking about going back to school, going back to work, going back to others. And now we have this like number that's really concrete. What about those damn planes that are going down? What do we do with that level of uncertainty? Well, first remember that the brain is looking always for patterns. The brain's looking for patterns to make sense out of things. So it can predict the world and the risk and can tell us, like, give us some insight into how the world works and to keep us alive. 
I know if I said it, you could say it. The brain is in service of survival, so it's always looking for patterns to help us figure out how do all these things work and what's the best way for me to keep this body and brain alive. When there's a conflict, that's what equals uncertainty. And the brain works in two ways. And it's controlled by this little part of the brain. We're not going to go into that either because you don't need to know it and you won't remember it. It's, it's, it's a long word, but its initials are LC. And you don't need to know that. You just need to know that it's in your brain and that's what controls the uncertainty. So, but remember our friend, the neurotransmitter norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is a word that you might want to keep in your pocket because norepinephrine is the neurotransmitter that says fight or it says flight, like run away, get away. So this neurotransmitter wakes up the brain in, in the presence of danger and says, you got to move. Like it's saying, dump the sugar, dump everything. Like we got to get out of here or we need all of our energy to fight with all of our might. Do something. It's activated by stress or danger, fight or flight situations. That in and of itself is uncertainty. Like, do I stay and fight or do I flight? Do I run? So there's your initial uncertainty. Right now we're struggling with questions like, do we follow the normal rules of our lives? You know, do we just like follow our normal rules and go back to our normal lives? Or do we embrace something totally different? Do we embrace and figure out totally new rules and then reconfigure our environment? And I say it as a singular, but I also want to say it as a plural because it's our environments, it's our family, it's our schools, it's our educational system, it's our policing systems, it's our all, everything is potentially needing to be reconfigured if this COVID-19 is going to be present and as dangerous as it clearly is revealing itself to be. <clears throat> and we are not in the presence of a vaccine yet or medical treatment, therapeutics. So we want to maximize our environment for our survival. So norepinephrine is available all the time during uncertainty. So it's saying, okay, we're at a crossroads. You need to use this. What do we do? We're confused. And what we've been dealing with, uncertainty for kind of long enough to be straddling the world. I feel like now we've been in this, like think about it, 90 days. So we've had enough time to figure out the math of 90 days, seven planes going down full every single day in the US. And at the same time, in my county at least, like people are opening up, like they're not ticketing like restaurants or anybody who opens up. So we are basically opened up, people are on optional quarantine or, or sheltering in place. So we're straddling two worlds. We're straddling the world of going totally back to the same old, same old, or we're straddling the new world where we reorganize our whole entire way of life. And this has never happened in my lifetime, and I'm sure it's never happened in many, many of your lifetimes unless you were born during the Great Depression. So 
I say personally, we're not going back to normal. We're never going back to normal because we now know COVID-19. We know what the molecule looks like. We can draw a picture of it. Um, we see it in advertising now, but we're not sure yet what the new looks like. So when we can predict or know whatever the new is gonna be, most people feel way better about the situation, even if they don't want the new situation to happen. They don't want what's new, but we all feel better knowing what the new is gonna be. So there's this really cool, and I mean like this, this just hits the nail on the head for me. There's a study in London done in 2016 where they said to 50% of the participants, you are definitely gonna get an electric shock and it's gonna hurt, all right? It's happening. So imagine I'm saying to you, like you're gonna get an electric shock and it's gonna hurt you. But then there's another, the other 50% of the participants in the study, we, they said to them, hey, you are maybe gonna get an electric shock that hurts. Like, it's possible that you're gonna get an electric shock and it's gonna hurt. But we're not sure if you're going to, but it's, it's possible that you're going to. So which group, which group was calmer? You would think, like, in a lot of ways, you would think, oh my gosh, if I knew I was going to get an electric shock and it hurt, then I would be more worried and scared about that. The truth is, no, the uncertainty of not knowing what to prepare for is much more anxiety producing. It creates way more uncertainty than knowing and then allowing your body to prep for it. Because remember, we also have neurochemicals in our brain that prepare us for pain. Those are the endorphins. And they say, oh shoot, man, I'm gonna get an electric shock that hurts. I better start like activating some pain receptors and get them pre ready for that. So knowing what to expect helps us to plan and stay organized. So looking at a new COVID-19 future in a way that is positive will help us to manage the uncertainty of not knowing. Now, I am not at all saying that not understanding where people's next paycheck, rent check, food, what to do with their littles at home is, is what, calming. That's not calming. And there's no, nothing about the situation that we're in right now with COVID-19 that is really settling. However, one of the things that we do know is that optimism, and there's a phrase, and I totally embrace this phrase, delusional optimism, and I believe that I am delusionally optimistic about things, that we, if we can just believe that the future of COVID-19 is going to be okay, that people are really smart, People are working on this. Inherently, I believe that most people are good and aren't out to harm us or hurt us or make our lives miserable or bad. And that we're conflicting over politics, not because we're really anti each other, but we're, we, we have 
diff, we're, we're given different perspectives of information, but if we were to really be allowed to sit down with each other, we could, in a healthy way, hash out a lot of our differences around the political divide around this issue. So what I'm trying to say is that optimism and looking forward and being able to create a semi-new reality in your brain about what's going to happen in the future with COVID-19 will settle some of the uncertainty and especially the panic level of uncertainty in your, in your body and mind. So how do we do that? The takeaway really is that recognizing, I don't know that anybody was really settled in the world and thought, oh my gosh, the USA is our utopia and it's perfectly arranged the way it should be arranged. I know I didn't believe that. I believe like there are lots of things that we need to work on to make our world and our country a better place. And COVID-19 has now placed that door in front of me to open up and walk through and say, okay, what are the things that I know and how can I make this a better place based on the opportunity in front of me? And as we take the things that we know and that we can do and control in our lives, setting up new rules about COVID-19, I shared out and I don't know, it's, I, I'll put it on my, my business page. It's a, or maybe you can just go Google it or find it on Facebook somewhere, but it's a risk assessment around COVID-19. And it illustrates like the zero risk folks are like not leaving their house, period. That's it. They're staying, sheltering in place. They're not seeing anyone. They're not leaving anywhere. They have zero risk in theory. And then there's people at the level six where they're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm not wearing a mask. We're just going to let this bug run its course and whatever happens, happens. There are six. And then there's all the steps in between. And I feel like we're at a place in our life now where we're actually having to commit to a level. And my experience with that is with my daughter and my son-in-law related and my granddaughter, where we actually had to have a real conversation in normal, in the past, you know, normal, they spend a lot of time at my house and my granddaughter would spend the night at my house. And we were very much free flowy in each other's lives. Well, then we all had COVID-19 hit and I'd been traveling a lot and they, my granddaughter had been sick, lots of, lots of stuff going on. So we stopped it. Everybody sheltered in place in their own place for a while. Well, now it's really looking like this is going to go on for a much longer time. And we need to take into consideration people's emotional health as well as their physical health. And how do we all do that in a way that's really considerate and thoughtful of the people in our lives? But at the same time, we take on a little bit of risk because we have to balance those things out. Some people have frontline workers. I have a kiddo who's on the front line, my older son. Or some people, I have a very dear friend, actually several dear friends who are nurses who work the front line and then they have to go home to their families. Or a friend of mine and he works at the VA hospital. And so he has to come home and, and you know, how do we balance out that risk? So 
This is where we're at, and this is where the uncertainty really is settling in with us. But as soon as we open up and have conversations with those people that we really love and care about, who we want to engage with on either a personal level or or just stay connected with, we need to have these conversations. Like I had a really serious conversation over the weekend with my daughter and my son-in-law and me and my wife and then my son and his girlfriend who my son lives here and his girlfriend visits a lot. That how are we, how are the seven of us going to manage our interaction? Like what's, what do we all value? And we all got to say what we really thought about it and how we feel about it and what our tolerance of risk is. So that reduces the level of uncertainty because now I know where they stand, they know where I stand, and we're on the same page and we can open up that conversation at any time when one of us is feeling uncertain. And that reduces the anxiety of not knowing. We've set something in place. We don't know if it's right or not, but we know what we're doing. And the knowing, even if it's painful, is better than not knowing. So that's really the important part of this conversation today is recognizing that the uncertainty is almost or worse than just the certainty of something that is potentially negative. So find ways to get some anchored choices made, even in all the uncertainty, because it will make you and the people that you love and are around feel better about those decisions. So it's so great to see all your beautiful faces. COVID-19 quarantine with Dr. B. I hope you'll share out I love you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow and have a fabulous day and be safe and be well. I love you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now go leave a life friend.